This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. They're incredible sheets. They're incredible bed sheets that were inspired by NASA. They use silver-infused fabrics and make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature. And let me tell you a little something about myself. When I first moved to New York City, I essentially went to a corner bodega, bought a set of sheets that were made out of what felt like cardboard, and that's what I slept on for like years. I thought, I guess I thought I just wasn't even worth more or like, I just didn't even know that comfort was possible. And then I started like actually realizing like, oh, I don't have to live like this and buying actual sheets that made sense. And truly the temperature regulating property of these NASA inspired sheets by Miracle Made are like the apotheosis of adult living. Like you can live with comfort, with temperature regulating. The funny thing is I thought temperature regulating was just like something you had to just deal with your whole life. That There was no sheet that could help you with that. Your body just went through wild temperatures and that just, you know, sucked and you had to just deal with it. But you don't have to deal with it because you can get miracle made sheets. They're self-cooling for better sleep. They're also, this one's really fun and it's actually really important for my husband. They're self-cleaning because they're infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. And because of that, it's designed for your skin. So it stops the bacteria so it doesn't clog your pores and it doesn't cause as much, you know, breakouts and acne, which is a big problem for my husband. Since we started using Miracle Made, my husband has just had way less of the breakouts and the clogged pores. And like I said, they're just like, luxurious. Um, They're designed for a person who's graduating from the cardboard sheets of their youth. (laughs) Graduate from those, you guys. So go to try miracle.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's T-R-Y, try miracle, M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash fake the nation. And at the checkout, use the promo code fake the nation and you'll get three free towels and you'll save an extra 20%. And Miracle's so confident in their product that it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you're going to get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for regulating my body temperature at night uh, with the sheets. I really love them. Okay, go for it. Fake the Nation, episode 244. That was great. Um, But do you think you could do it like a little less sexual? Mm -hmm. Yeah, girl, I got you. Fake the Nation, episode 244. That's perfect. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we ring in the Persian New Year at our new home at HeadGum. Pew, 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 pew. I am your host, Nagin Farsad, and we are taping this on the Persian New Year precursor holiday, popularly known as St. Patrick's Day. Pew, 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 pew. 
And uh, <laughs> I encourage one and all to randomly celebrate all of these things because there's um, some pandemic year mark doldrums happening. And I say no to doldrums, no doldrums. So uh, celebrate all of them. Celebrate all of the things. Today, we're going to talk about border problems or are they border problematunities? <laughs> uh, and we'll also do a Cuomo check-in. We'll do a vaccine hesitancy check-in and pasta. There's been innovation in the world of pasta and we uh, have the innovator with us and we have lots of thoughts about it. Today, oh my God, I'm so excited by this panel. Um, well, I'll, I'll just start with the pasta innovator himself. He is host of the podcast Sporkful, which is such a wonderful podcast. I've had the pleasure of being on that podcast and the pleasure of listening to that podcast. So you should immediately be downloading and uh, subscribing. Uh, it is the one and only Dan Pashman. Hey, Dan. Hey, Nagin. Thanks so much for having me again. Oh, my gosh. I'm so happy you're here. And we're also joined by, uh, oh, my gosh, one of my old comedy buddies. Uh, you know, we go way back to when we could make jokes about Obama. Uh, he is the executive <laughs> producer and host of the podcast, How to Citizen. He is the wonderful Baratunde Thurston. Hey, Baratunde. Hello, Nagin. Hello, Dan. Good to be here with you both. Uh, again, you should be subscribing to How to Citizen immediately. Uh, all right. Like let, right now. Yeah. Like pause. Pause this podcast. <laughs> okay, welcome you know what? Back, this entire podcast is 45 minutes of silence just so that you can go do the subscribing. Come back and we'll yeah. still be silent. Yeah. Um, the whole po- it's a silent networking podcast. <laughs> We're going to communicate with our eyes over Zoom. Here we go with topic number one. So there's a surge in migration at the border. And can I just say, um, I understand that there's, this could pose some logistical problems, but forgetting all of that for one minute, I was relieved to hear that we still have a country that people want to migrate to. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're like still throwing a party that people will show up to. Right. And the I... brand may not be dead after all. <laughs> exactly. USA. USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> So, okay, but beyond the no doldrums positive spin on uh, we still have a country people care to visit uh, and even live in, um, what what is going on? And here's the thing that all of the people are saying on all of the news outlets is that it's Biden's fault. To what extent is there a problem and to what extent is it president our new president's fault? Bear Tunde thoughts? Yeah, so um, this is the downside of having a competent president. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like people are like I like I like the I like the way he moves. I like that. Let's get on <laughs> over and, and dance with Biden. Um, <laughs> honestly, it's uh, it's a confusing situation. I think if anybody is kind of like, what's going on? You're you and the Homeland Security Department and Border Patrol and immigration rights activists as well. It seems like people who want to migrate to the U.S. do so without any regard for the politics happening in the U.S. at the time. It's a very selfish, desperate, I guess, plea for life Mm. that people are making. Um, And so what I've recently learned is that this is the largest wave we had in 20 years. There has seemed to have been a cycle to this, regardless of who was president. The Obama administration faced a huge influx. That was the first time many of us heard about unaccompanied minors, uh, a.k.a. children at the border showing up. Then under Donald Trump, 
despite his protestations and you know, trying to scare everyone who might be brown out of the country who was already here, people still showed up. So I think it's too simple to say, oh, Biden's lax immigration policies have lured all these people here. And if you look at how far people are coming from, they started this migration well before the election. So they didn't even know who was going to be president. They were taking a big gamble that they might be met with uh, a lot of ugliness. So I think climate change seems to be a huge driver of what's happening. There's civil unrest and there's terrible, terrible economic conditions. We like to think our economy is not doing great, but a lot of places down in, in Latin America are doing a lot worse. So I'm predicting this is only going to get worse until we solve some of what's happening in the places people are fleeing from. Uh, and to the folks who are making that journey, I just extend a lot of compassion and sympathy because I don't think people are doing this to like own the libs. I don't think the Hondurans <laughs> are setting out <laughs> on some kind of epic trolling journey. I think they must really have something to run away from uh, to, to come that journey that way. Dan, how does it strike you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree certainly with what Baratunde said that um, that this is a complicated issue and anybody who wants to just dumb it down to like, oh, we changed presidents, that's the explanation, period, is oversimplifying things. It's hard for me to believe that that Biden becoming president and changing some of our immigration laws has no impact, um, you know, because the people coming to the border, I think... I understand that that they're also sometimes susceptible to a lot of the rumors that get spread about their chances of getting in by people who are looking to take advantage of them. But I think they're also a lot of them are savvy enough to understand that that the rules are going to change. Um, that doesn't mean that Trump's policies were right and Biden's are wrong. So I wouldn't say that it's Biden's fault. I would not use that word. I would just say that, like, I think that a lot of them are smart enough to recognize that they may have a better chance of entering the country now. Either way, like the policies it, 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 it's it's also just evidence that Trump's policies didn't solve the problem the underlying problems that Baratunde refers to which are the re, the things that motivate people to take such a tremendous risk on such an unknown process of trying to make it to the border in the first place you know the, the, and i i don't pretend to have a perfect solution to that problem i think anyone who tells you that can tell you in three sentences what the answer to that issue is is oversimplifying things you know, um, I also have a lot of compassion for all of the people who are taking tremendous risks to their personal safety and and often having to hand over their life savings in order to try to make this journey. Um, so I'm glad that our policy has become more compassionate and more human. Um, but I also think that this, pro you know, that, that you know, we, we need to have some kind of system. And I don't pretend to know what that system is, but I think that Biden is going to continue to be plagued by this on a political front because because it's hard to find a humane system that works. You know, it's interesting. I mean, the I was reading somewhere that it costs about eight thousand um, dollars to get this to pay the smugglers to get you over and all of that stuff. The and and the, the just the whatever the travel costs are between the countries because they're not just coming from you know the town outside of the border, right? They're coming from long distances, as as Baratune was saying. And so to spend that eight thousand dollars, which is a lot of money for the average American, never mind the average you know migrant, um, you have to really. You have to. There's a. There's there's a lot at stake. Um, do you have the money? Is it is it going to be basically a sure thing? Or like, what is the likelihood you're going to be able to actually make it across? All that stuff. So there is an element of like, hey, climate is good for us. 
try now, you know, um, and that is a word of mouth thing. I think that does happen. So in the sense that like the the word of mouth was the United States is no longer headed by, you know, an inhumane um, monster like in the in in that that word got across. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't again, it's like. Yeah, in that sense, it's Biden's fault, quote unquote. Um, but like, it's also just like, no, no, we chose humanity. You know what I mean? We chose humanity and now the world knows. Like, we can't keep it a secret. We don't have like a, a guy um, who would sooner, you know, put uh, separate children from their mothers. Um, so so in that sense, it's Biden's fault, I guess, just being a, like a decent dude. Um but also, yeah, I mean, people are going to, you know, are going to go when conditions are more favorable to them. Um, and they're also going to go, as Baratune was saying, when they're the most desperate. Like, and that's something that is not being controlled by them. It's geopolitical forces. That's the the gangs running wild that, that haven't been controlled. Um, we, so can I, can I add something sure, yeah, here, Yeah, please. Um, first, I think one solution might be make Central America great again, um, and then people will really want to invest and stay there. There's something, um, I think I have two thoughts. One is is truly like, in all the conversations, whether it's Trump as president, Obama as president, or Biden as president, I have heard relatively little about what's happening in Honduras or in these other nations. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, We, we only know about it when they're just outside the door. And I think there is a, there's an economic policy, a global economic policy, a, a foreign policy, a drug policy that we are participatory and maybe even driving as a nation, which has created these conditions um, or at least contributed to them. Right. So there's probably some solution that involves like multilateralism and being global participants that's just not ever been a part of our political debates. It's not part of our news coverage. And so we're missing that half of the story. The other thing is from a from a liberal American perspective, I think a lot of us got lured into the idea that, OK, everything Donald Trump bad and there's literally right, nothing right. sensible coming out of that administration. And when he's not there, good things just going to happen. And I think the inconvenient truth here is like, no, the world's a messy place and presidents don't get to pick their crises and the simpli- the binary interpretation because Stephen Miller was a dick, everything that happened under the Trump administration was the fault of the dicks he appointed. That's, a, that's not true either. Right. And so the nuance got lost because we had such a monster. And now I just I think there are people who are like, we'll never put a kid in a cage again. And then you see the photos and they look kind of similar to what they did under Trump. Right. And so some of us who were very against that just got to be like, oh, OK. So the cruelty was the point there, but the underlying circumstance now is still not great. So how do we kind of own that and and try to be more, um, I don't know, just have more integrity to our interpretation right. of events Yeah, I mean, because uh, now that the monster's it, not in the White House anymore? Right, because part of it with Donnie was that he made there any policy that existed that was functional 
he got rid of it because Obama created it, right? So yeah. we don't want to come in and do the same thing because that's dumb. Like, if there was something that, that's sort of, that's like saying Pfizer was created um, while Donald Trump was, Pfizer created vaccine <laughs> while Donald Trump was president. I'm not fucking getting that vaccine. You know what I mean? It's dumb. So we, we shouldn't do that. And I don't want to like, um, like, I don't want to say that Biden did nothing. It's just that he's a humane guy and the news got out because he did specifically do some things for a example he um oh fuck where's my list of things that guys where in my document did you put my <laughs> list of things all oh, right here we go he eased immigration controls he paused deportations he put an end to the wait in mexico policy which was really big with the trump administration which i don't even understand how the fuck that worked with mexico but anyway that's a question you know it's like basically you know how in zoom where you can set up like a waiting right, room before anybody like, gets <laughs> Mexico was our Zoom waiting room. That's, yeah. um, and and yeah, I I, uh, I, I. It seems to be like the point you're making again is yes. that I mean, and this is kind of like the fucked up truth that I think we we is is that we have to look at is like it may be that to some degree Trump's horrendous, cruel, inhumane immigration policy did accomplish to some degree, was to some degree responsible for reducing people coming to the border. I'm not, that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. Mm. That doesn't mean I want us to keep doing right. it. Uh, you know, the end doesn't always justify the means. Um, but, um, but it did in, in a, in a sense like, work. We, 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 right. And right. Some, some people are saying Biden didn't have to do these things because he basically created um, the conditions for the spike to occur and is he the question is is he sort of creating his own future inelectability or the Democrats future own inelectability by with this problem right, just that's to the, end that, it on a gross political yeah, question but like that's the thing about immigration as a political issue which is is that um, I think I think it's very, very hard to come up with a humane, middle ground, reasonable policy that treats people with dignity, that allows immigrants to come into this country in a way that is that is has that is managed in some capacity, uh, like short of open borders, um, but that d- doesn't create a crisis at the border. And and I don't know what what exactly. I mean, I agree with everything you said, Baratunde, about like uh, about the the underlying causes and things happening in Central America. And yes, we should. You know, look at ourselves in the mirror. In what ways are we contributing to the underlying causes? But I don't know that it's ever going to stop people from wanting to come into America. And so, the Republicans' policy is basically just like stop all immigration. We hate immigrants. Um, that's a much simpler sell politically than the Democrats, which is this sort of muddled middle ground with no clear answer other than like we need immigration reform, but nobody will tell you what that means. Right, right. To right. be fair, the Republican position is stop all brown immigrants. Okay, yes, correct. No, that Agreed, is ex- yes. yes. Uh, I believe they're <laughs> the the from what is it the shit the shithole country immigrants right. is what <clears throat> they might technically be referred to as, and right, I just. If you're from Scandinavia, Trump loves the Scandinavians. The farther north in Scandinavia, the closer to the North Pole, the better. Um, So let's, uh, and I want to close here on pointing out there's like a CBS YouGov poll that found that 62% of respondents approve of the way Biden's handling his job as president. That's really high. 60% approve of his handling of the economy. 67% approve of his handling of the coronavirus. Um, Now, the percentage is... um, 
lower on immigration. And then I think the, it was 52% in the article you sent? Oh, there it is. Okay, thanks, because I didn't write it down. I wrote down all the other ones for some reason. Again, <laughs> because someone's fucking with my notes. I don't know who it is, but I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at all of you. Um, yeah, so so 52%. So the, the numbers aren't dire. There's obviously a lot of time, whatever, if we're looking at midterm elections. Um, but this is a thing, and I and I love that it's they're you know they're re- it is it is like I guess I don't want to say crisis level, but there is a crisis. You know, if you look at some of the images, like Bertone was saying of that of, of unpleasant things, there is some crisis level shit going on. However, um, there's time to fix it in a, in a gross political way in time for the midterms. You know what I mean? Uh, some of it is logistical management. That's some of it. You know, is just straight up. Logistical management, like building, using parking lot structures effectively or whatever it is, you know, Um, because they, I think, started building out into one of their uh, parking lots. Um, So, yeah. So some of it is that. The other thing about I'm really interested in research, which shows that people are more likely to share when they feel like they have enough. This is a general sociological phenomenon. Mm. And so right, if I, Americans feel prosperous, then, then they'll be like, they will, come on right. in. And right, exactly. I- immigration will be less of a good issue for the GOP, and we will be more open-minded to people coming in if if we address the, these big issues in America, like income inequality. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. I like that thought. Um, I mean, you know, it'd be great if we could just share regardless. But anyway. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's a nice, that's a great joke. Dan is a good comedian. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Let me know what you people think about this whole situation. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I am going to take a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, we'll talk about other things. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Ugh, folks. I mean, first of all, it's a personal finance app that helps you find and cancel unwanted subscriptions and it monitors your spending and it helps you lower your bills. But that's headline news, okay? What it has done for me, it has reminded me of the absolute ridiculous world of things that I have subscribed to And why have I subscribed to them? Why have I wasted my money in such a way? And thank God that Rocket Money has come around to show me that, hey, Nagin, you don't need a subscription to an obscure Brazilian film archive, do you? One of the things that it found for me once that was really upsetting was that I was paying for a subscription twice. It was an educational app. And you think an educational app isn't going to do you that way, but you know what? It might. It also lowered a bill for me. Lord, my cable bill. Yes, I still pay for cable. Don't worry about it. And then the other great thing is when you are trying to get rid of these subscriptions, you just do it with one tap. You don't have to like call customer service or whatever, all the other miserable things that you do when you're trying to get rid of a subscription. It just does it with one tap. That's one of the actually best things about it because I've had such a hard time in the past trying to unsubscribe from something myself. It lowers your bills for you by up to 20%. 5 million users. It has helped save an average of $720 a year, which makes sense for me because that's about as much as, that's about what I was saving. And with over $550 million in canceled subscriptions, that's what they've achieved. 
I mean, you've heard me talk about Rocket Money before. It has really improved my relationship with subscriptions. I'm going to just tell you that much. So stop wasting your money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Guys, cancel those unwanted subscriptions at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Today's show is sponsored by Factor. You guys, I totally was a factor person before they even sponsored this show because they're so delicious and when you're constantly busy and just need a few nights of meals a week to just not have to cook, like factor's incredible. And then for me, here's the other incredible thing is they have these delicious keto meals because I try not to eat carbs and they have these wonderful keto meals and me and my husband have just been rejoicing in factor meals. So here's their deal. They're ready to eat. They're fresh. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved. They're also ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And like I said, I had like the keto stuff, but they also have calorie smart. They have protein plus. There's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Um, I had one of their little green juice shots that I really enjoyed. And oh my God, the, I just remember having this one meal. It was like grilled chicken situation with like a, I want to say like a creamed spinach situation. Oh, so delicious. I remember also having like a cauliflower mash situation. I mean, they really make the veggies taste delicious. This ain't your grandma's veggies. Mm -mm. They make them fun and delicious and not at all like, oh, I'm eating healthy. It's not like that. It's like, this is fun and delicious. There's no prep, no mess. Like I said, they're ready to heat. And ready to eat. So you don't have to prep. You don't have to buy stuff, ingredients, and da da da. I mean, if also, if you're like me and you're just like not terribly confident in the kitchen, you're going to love Factor. All right. So here is what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com. All right. Head, head to factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 and use the code fake the nation 50 to get 50% off. That's code fake the nation 50 at factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 to get 50% off. It is such a good deal. And we are back. And I just want to remind everyone that we are on Patreon. We'll be releasing bonus episodes very soon, as early as April. So get in on it. Um, we're going to have uh, a bonus episode every other week. And there are a lot of levels of support. Um, so please support your local Iranian-American Muslim podcast host on Patreon. Uh, and now let's get into topic number two way. Um, we're going to do a quick Cuomo check-in because last week we talked about the Cuomo situation. And then since then, more people have asked for his resignation. Um, and I wanted to do a quick check in and see how we're feeling. People like Chuck Schumer, AOC, Kirsten Gillibrand have all asked him to resign. But people like Biden and Pelosi have asked the investigation to play out. Dan, where are you on this? I go back and forth. I mean, I was never an Andrew Cuomo fan, so I'm not going to you know lose any sleep if he's forced out. Um, 
I, you know, I, I went through that very brief period last March where I was like, oh, I guess like now's a good time to have a guy like this. Right. Um, and I, I felt that way for a few weeks. Then he announced, then he announced a book deal. You know, he, like, like within 15 minutes of him being a national sensation, he was writing books on leadership. So I was like, oh, now I remember why I hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not going to I'm not going to lose any shed any tears for him. On the other hand, I feel very conflicted about the extreme double standard around issues of sexual harassment that exist between Democratic politicians and Republican politicians. Um, and I don't expect that anyone who were, who might replace him long term would be any better morally or politically. Um, and so I just don't know really what I should be rooting for. OK, I that's uh, an honest like um admission to like i don't know i and i think all I, that's a, i think a lot of uh how i feel bear tunde how do you feel i um there's a phrase i heard as a kid i was a uh, a little woke bastard and i remember hearing uh, <laughs> before we used some malcolm x speeches on uh, on vinyl mm. cuz that's how my mm. mom rolled and he said uh the america's chickens are coming home to roost and I think Cuomo's chickens are coming home to roost. This guy has been the most self-serving, mendacious, backstabbing, conniving, power-hungry, abusive, manipulative piece of shit. <laughs> and it's finally coming out. And I, I have heard stories about this dude. I, I, I'm, until recently, a resident of New York City and New York State. The last election I voted in in New York was in 2018, where I gleefully supported a slate of state legislative candidates for the Democratic Party who wrested control, not from the Republican Party, but from Governor Andrew Cuomo, who, despite the Democrats having a majority in the Senate, he helped create this independent Democratic caucus, a.k.a. turncoat Democrats, who effectively gave control of the chamber to the Republican Party with the blessing and to the benefit of Andrew Cuomo. This is someone who threatens people. This is someone who tried to destroy the Working Families Party, which is a really powerful progressive force that has led to a lot of good policies in New York State and across the country. To, to summarize what Dan just said, I will not miss this person if he's gone. <laughs> I will not at all. I think you, you reap what you sow, and he has sown abuse whether he did all the things that he's accused of or not, he has no friends because he stabbed everybody in the back for himself. And that to me is the more revealing thing. You got nobody out there defending you. Yeah. Nobody's going on cable news. Nobody's quoting by name. He's the greatest governor of all time. His leadership book taught me so much because he sacrificed all that goodwill for self gain. And in that sense, he was very much like the last president we had. I'm just, dis- I'm disappointed and I'm disgusted okay. in his behavior. It's funny, fair to know because I, I I believe last week I did um um I did a description of Cuomo that included words like he's not a very nice guy. <laughs> that's uh, that's like how how intense I got. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, now, can I just ask what, but, one question? Like, is yes. is this is this is my I'm putting on my cynical former news reporter's hat and basically yeah, asking like. I, I agree with everything you just said, Baratunde. But is he truly so different from most other politicians, or is he just not as good at hiding it? 
That's a that's an and interesting we'll, question. And we'll never and we'll really never know. I mean, I think the IDC, the Independent Democratic Caucus example that Baratunde cited, is probably one of the bigger, for me, dick things that a person could do as a Democratic <laughs> governor of a state. Um, and so, so I'm adding a not a very nice guy to like dick move on that. Um, <laughs> but uh, and I have to say, part of it is. Look, it also the the question is, he was voted in. He is a Democrat. Mm-hmm. He was he's a Repo- governor that was voted in. I am really curious to see one of these investigations actually play out. You know, yeah. I'm a little yeah. tired of like you know pushing people to resign before we hear about an investigation. Like, what are these investigations? What do they then recommend? Let's see one happen. Um, and I think in a situation like this, and I think in the in the Franken situation, I you know I I said then let's let the situ let's let the investigation play out. Let's let due process play out. I remember reading a a, a piece by Zephyr Teachout that was just like we there should be due process so we know what happened. And what is the recommendation? Um, and I feel like until we get a kind of formal process, we're not going to have a formal process. You know what I mean? I would love to have Nag- a formal process is what I'm saying. Nagin for governor. This is great. But in the next election. <laughs> no, Nagin, you this is this is because I don't even with my big rant, I didn't necessarily say how I felt about him resigning. And it's probably because I wasn't sure. But Nagin, you have helped make me feel more sure. Mm that we should let this play out. I live in California now. We also have uh, a once very popular Democratic governor, overwhelmingly elected, somewhat recently, and now there's this recall effort. And it's kind of exhausting. So I, I think what would be a beautiful outcome of this, we learn just how not a nice person Andrew Cuomo has been on the record. And then the voters get to decide in the next election and send a very clear, overwhelming message one way or the other, uh, a la Marion Barry, my former D.C. mayor. Why am I always governed by these things? <laughs> but, but, is it me? Am I causing no, this? No, maybe it's it's just politicians. That's what I'm saying. You know? right, that makes me right. feel better, yeah. but also sadder. Like I'm like, is it worse that right. it's my politicians or is it worse that it's just everybody? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, the voters can decide we don't care anymore um, or they're like, that's disgusting. You got to go. Um, and, and he'd have to live with that, which in some ways is uh, is better than resigning in shame. Right. It's like it's like being fired in shame or whatever. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, yes. I don't know. OK, let's move on. Um, so, folks, let me know. Things have changed since we last talked about it to have your feelings changed. I don't know. I'm on all the social medias that we're not supposed to be looking at uh, and, and ready to, to read your tweets. Uh, let us move on to topic number two B. Uh, okay, so let's talk about vaccine hesitancy. Um, are you or anyone you know hesitant about the vaccine, Dan? I am personally not hesitant. In fact, I got my first dose recently. Hey. Um, I'm happy to say um, I have asthma, so I became eligible when they added that to the New York State list. Uh, and my wife got it as well because she's a teacher. Um and so, yeah, I'm not hesitant. People in my family are not hesitant. Um, there's one guy, a neighbor of mine, who I spoke to recently, who's like, you know, guy, he's younger, he's in good shape, and he sort of says, to, you know, and he, I think he's, you know, 
I can't tell exactly where his politics lie, but not exactly with mine, to the right of mine for sure. Um, and he was sort of like, ah, you know, they developed, it was the old, like, um, they developed it so quickly, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait to let other people get it and make sure it's like, okay. Um, and I was just like, whatever, you know, so uh, I haven't seen a lot of it firsthand, but, um, but I know that it's out there for sure. Bear Tunde, where are you at with this? I'm, I'm pro-vaccines. Uh, I'll even take that AstraZeneca joint, you know, mm-hmm. blood clots ain't got nothing on me. My blood is loose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Maybe we could Your blood not. is super slutty? Is what that means? <laughs> <I know. laughs> my blood's all over the place, baby. <laughs> can't, knock, can't lock my blood down. Uh-uh, my blood wants to be free. But uh, no, no. So I'm not hesitant. I, I have listened to too many epidemiologists mm. to to understand that anyone who gets a vaccine is doing some work on behalf of all of us to slow the chance that this virus can further mutate and create variants that would be less responsive to future vaccines. So it's like every shot in every arm is slowing this thing down from slowing us all down forever. So I get that. I like that. The hesitancy I have encountered, um, one is people who are like, I don't like, I don't like Johnson and Johnson. I, that, it seems less effective. So like I want the good vaccine. So they're, it's like a brand right, loyalty right, thing. Right. <laughs> and right, like right, sort of right, vaccine right. shopping. Or it's like, I don't like that company because of what Johnson and Johnson did with like baby powder and opioids. And so just morally, it's like, I, I want to go with like the ethical, the most ethical big pharma company out there. And you got to break the news to them. That doesn't exist. Um, and, and, and sort of pandemic victims can't be choosers uh, to adapt a phrase. And then I think there, it gets a little deeper in the hesitancy of encounter, which is what's in it. You know, there's people who have pseudoscientific understandings of vaccines. So they're like, is there DNA in there? Are you giving me COVID? Are there babies in the vaccine or like stem cells? So there's all, there's a religious stuff, there's pseudoscience that gets... And so I find myself sharing articles with people and trying to get more educated just in case I stumble into that conversation. And then the last category of hesitancy is the last time like a majority white colonial power promised to bring, you know, aid and comfort to people of color. It didn't end so well for the people of color. So, you know, understand if we're a little hesitant to accept this gift from the British government or from the U.S. government. And that's some deep like historic trauma that I try to be very patient with, as opposed to just like, say, you're dumb, trust the government. It's like, ah, is it is it smart to always just trust the government? So I understand where that's coming from, even as I think I have a deep enough understanding now to be like, but for this, we should we should go with these vaccines and then sort out the underlying issues that make you hesitant about trusting these authorities. Well, it's not it's interesting. It's not simple it, though. because it's, I don't it um I don't actually have the specific numbers on people of color, but the the numbers that are coming up now for epidemiologists are about of Trump supporters. It's um, oh, yeah. Trump supporters Great. are the least likely to seek the vaccine. Forty nine percent of Republican men, forty seven percent of Trump supporters, and forty one percent of Republicans overall said they wouldn't get the vaccine if it was made available to them. And then another poll, um, so I think that was like a Marist poll, and then a CNN poll showed that 57% of Republicans were not, were were going to, planning on saying no when they were made avel- eligible or were already Which, saying by the no way, as eligible people. First of all, 50, 57% of Republicans is not that many people. 
We don't really need all them. All right. Like, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> like <Jesus. laughs> you know, like the re- Republicans are you like would, 40%. Would, wait, we don't need all of them for what specifically? Well, you can interpret that as a good party. I, I, we don't need them all to reach herd immunity. We don't need okay. them all to get vaccinated to reach herd immunity. You know, 57% of Republicans, so that's a little more than half. Republicans are like 40 or 42% of the country. So you're talking about like 23 or 24% of the country. Are these Republicans you're talking about? Plus, a lot of them are full of shit. And when all their friends have it, they'll get They're it. They're going to get um, it. Yeah, yeah. Some of this That's does an feels, argument I buy. Some <laughs> of this feels the very we don't need them part, I'm like, I don't know. The amateur epidemiologist in me is like, I think we need everybody we can get. But, you know, I'm not a real, I'm not a real scientist. I just play one on podcast. <laughs> uh, but that's a disturbing, the, the partisan nature of it. That's so, it just makes me feel like we're doomed as a nation. Because you're like, Really? That's and, and you know who could fix that. Right. You know, he who shall not be named right. could like make it a requirement of attending one of those MAGA rallies to show your vaccine card. And then everybody would want to do it to prove you. Could call, what if you called it MAGA juice and you're like, yo, did you get your shot of MAGA juice? Oh, you don't love America if you didn't get the MAGA juice shot. I mean, right. Pence, got, Pence a- got his with uh, with cameras uh, going, uh, but yeah, Trump. Will, but they also tried to assassinate him, so clearly he's not right. the, the not spokesperson that they all will follow. Right. I, I do have to say that I, I got my first shot at the Javits Center, which is the big convention center in Manhattan. It was designed in the '70s the way to look the way people in the '70s thought the future would look. Um, so it kind of feels like being an Epcot Center, and then there's all these National Guard. Uh, troops there and you're in these lines being sort of herded forward and then you know with all these soldiers around everyone who worked there was lovely and it was very well organized and very well run but you still kind of felt like you were being herded like to all just take turns being injected with this stuff and I, I left there saying to my wife like if I believed in the crazy conspiracies. Everything I just saw there would have validated what I thought. You know, like, like, is there, did I just get injected with a microchip? Yeah, probably, but like, since my reprogramming, I feel great. I gotta say, like, did you know that Donald Trump invented electricity? I had no idea, but like, kudos to that guy. Um, so it was, it was weird. It was weird, but um, but I, first- I think, I mean, but I, I had the same experience with my first dose. That was this is so well organized. Like this feels it, you know, everybody was extremely delightful. Like the whole the whole thing. There was a lot of people. Uh, there was a lot of like official presence um, of staff workers and some military presence and all that stuff. But it didn't. I don't know. I, I, I was just like, wow, we're doing this on such a large scale. How impressive. This is the shit that makes America America is this exactly this shit. It's the fucking Javits Center with thousands of people getting jabbed in the arm and then following that up with like a car show or something. You know, that is what makes America America. And it is remarkable. It also made me feel like a little bit good about human beings for a minute, which is something which is an emotion I hadn't felt in quite a while. You know, like, oh. You know, like like it, it, it's been far from perfect, and there's too much inequality in the way that it's been done. And I, I could I could point to many problems with this whole the process of creating and distributing the vaccine, but like it did require hundreds or thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of people to work together to make this vaccine and distribute it. And you see all these people who didn't know each other by that morning all working together to help other people. And you're like, oh. Maybe we're not all bad. 
Right. And and America, I think that the America. <laughs> I don't even talk about America. I'm just talking about humans. Forget America. I'm saying human beings. But, Do humans have an anthem? Yeah. You should say right Um I think that if you if we want to concern ourselves with the you know percentage of Republicans that Dan says we don't need um, to return to the epidemiologist Dan Pashman um, host of the Sporkful podcast says that we don't need um, I, I I think there's there's a there's a few people that will that they will listen to um, Trump obviously so if anybody has any pull with that guy give them a call but also um, pastors priests like people uh, that kind of have that authority over the community if they're getting what it, about the Duck Dynasty it, guys the Duck Dynasty guys let's talk about them for never because I don't even think they're on TV anymore um, <laughs> I don't know I, I could be wrong but also neighbors I've talked about this a lot but one of my neighbors who was a, a vaccine skeptic said oh if you get it I'll get it and I was like I'm definitely getting it Mm. and he's like okay I'll get it so you like have power over your neighbors folks if you're out there and you go to a church or whatever and you know some of these people that have some kind of authority also your local doctors your local nurses all of those people that people uh those kind of medical professionals that people that are local to people that they trust that they see at the supermarket that they're neighbors with those people have a lot of sway so those are the people that have to kind of go on a mini marketing campaign uh, to get the you know the people the skeptics on board so we can get rid of this Things so I can start fucking going back to karaoke, okay? And that's what this is all about. <laughs> um, all right, let us move on uh, to topic number three. You guys, this is such an exciting topic. It's like, I feel like it's a very, very special Fake the Nation segment because this has never happened before, but Dan invented... Um, uh, a new pasta shape. I mean, by the way, trigger warning, this segment will be difficult for people on a low-carb diet. Uh, and I'm looking at me, everybody. Dan, a few years ago, you were frustrated with pasta shapes. Tell me about that frustration. Yeah, so, look, I love pasta. And at the end of the day, if I'm hungry, I'll eat any plate of pasta you put in front of me. That being said, I did just start to feel like, you know, a lot of the pasta shapes out there aren't that great. You know, like... They do one or two things well. Like you know, so the things I look for in a pasta shape are like what I call forkability. How well does it stay on the fork? Sauceability. <laughs> Get the fork out yeah. of here, Dan. Yeah. Sauceability. How well does it hold sauce? And tooth sinkability, which is like how satisfying is it to bite into it? And a lot of shapes are good at one or two of those things, but not many are good at all three. You know, like spaghetti. Is there a scale? Is there a grading scale along these factors? I, I, I have not assigned specific numbers to it, but I would love to collaborate okay. with you on that, Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of this makes sense unless there's a big data graph, um, color-coded chart <laughs> yeah. that we can see. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I agree because one thing when I was reading about forkability and sauceability, for example, I feel like spaghetti that's meant to hold sauce is the kind is just like sits on a plate and then a bunch of just gross water ends up on the bottom and it just the whole thing or it could also be my inability as a cook um mm-hmm. but 
It's a fourth factor. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, let's pretend that I'm amazing. Um, I always felt like the spaghetti was somehow lacking. It was also like messier than it needed to be. You know, you, it's like you're eating it, but it gets all around your fucking mustache. Um, and I say that as a Middle Eastern woman uh, with a mustache. <laughs> Thank you. And so, so I always felt like that that shape was. Uh, I didn't know why it had taken um, the imagination of an entire globe. You know what I mean? Like, why is that so popular? Bertunde, have you ever... What is your relationship with pasta <laughs> and its shapes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I first met pasta. Uh, must have been <laughs> the early 80s. You know, you know, the 80s were wild. Like, crazy it was time, crazy. A crazy time. I was like four years old. <laughs> it ended up everywhere but my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, it was like a Wall Street party. And... Uh, I think I just wanted more cheese at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I could just never get enough uh, of the cheese, crust cheese and macaroni, a a long fave. I I didn't, my relationship with pasta is I can never remember what type of pasta is what. Mm. I have this kind of, um, I don't know, whatever that fish is that forgets things and has to be reminded. Goldfish? From... Goldfish, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Oh, yes, gosh. yes. So, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm whatever that fish is that forgets things all the time. And um, so whenever I'm ordering pasta, I, I look to my wife and I say, like, what is that again? Like, I remember spaghetti right. because it's wired into my, my childhood. Everything else, is it a bucatini? Is it a, ling- a linguine? I think I know what linguine is. Linguini spaghetti, everybody else, I have to like Google it or Google image search it or something every time. And then I heard there was a scandal, this Bucatini shortage during COVID. What? What is the Bucatini? uh, Dan, this is where Uh, you take uh, it. It's a spaghetti that's hollow down the center. So it's like a very narrow drinking straw. Oh, got you, got you. Okay. And there was was like a run on Bucatini Mm -hmm. and some import challenges due to COVID restrictions. And uh, this woman writer, I cannot remember her name right now. I think now, it was Rachel I, Handler I in New York Magazine. Let me double check. There you go. She wrote the most amazing confessional, like first person essay about the search for Bucatini. And it kind of elevated my uh, lust for pasta. And since hearing that story, I was like, oh, pasta can do all this to a person? That's pretty exciting. I still can't remember <laughs> what pastas are what kind. <laughs> But I have a greater respect for it. And now with Dan's uh, rating scale, I think I'm going to have a much more robust, fulfilling uh, relationship with pasta. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so, Dan, you you went through these personal frustrations. You had a personal reckoning. You know what I mean? Um, that moment where you dig deep into your soul and say, what am I going to do about it? Right? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> what, what can I, yeah. Dan... Right. Do about right, it. Right. How well, can like, I caveat, like I recognize that in the grand scheme of especially the past year, that like my my pasta struggles are meaningless. Um, but they're but not. Yes, I, you know, they're fantastic. Started... First of all, you're talking to are a, they comedian, a comedian, are they f- the most yeah. non-essential of all human beings. <laughs> so I think uh, I I counter your meaningless with extra meaningless. <laughs> so um, so what 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 happened to you? Yeah. So so I I decided I wanted to do this because I've been hosting the Sporkful Food Podcast for 11 years, and I real, like, I'm not a chef. Uh, I just love to eat. I kind of stumbled into it, and now it's become my career, and I realized, um, what, like, do I actually know anything? Like, I, I've never actually made anything. You know, I messed around in my kitchen, but I've never actually made anything, and, and 
try to see if I know what I'm talking about. Um, and so this this pasta project sort of became like the test of every food opinion I've ever had. And so I set out to try to create a new shape. I ate a bunch of like dozens of different shapes and I cataloged their attributes and narrowed the field of like, what are the attributes that I most like in a pasta? I mean, like tubes or flat or round or ruffles or ridges and all these different things. And then I, uh, after a lot of research and some brick walls, I basically came out with the idea that what I want to do is to combine two shapes with some flair. The first shape was Mafalda, mm. which is um, oh here we go. Now you're just I making know. things. No, Mafalda, up. Mafalda's so really good. Tasting together. <laughs> Mafalda, it's like it's like lasagna, but narrow enough to twirl on a fork, which so is a long flat noodle with ruffles on the edges. And then the other was Bucatini, which I I didn't like Bucatini at first. I thought it was overrated because everyone says, oh, it's so great because it's like spaghetti, but you get sauce in the in the in the hole. But I don't think the hole is big enough to gather any sauce. I think that's a myth. But what I learned that makes Bucatini great is that it's extremely tooth sinkable because most tube pastas are fat tubes. And so when you bite into them, they fall flat. But Bucatini being a narrow tube is springy. Yeah. And it's got a, it's a very special textural phenomenon that doesn't exist in most pastas. So I set out to try to get the best of Mafalda and the best of Bucatini with another flourish or two and to make that my new shape. Holy what okay, so I <laughs> but, just got But the shape, but, but, I'm you know, looking at the shape here, um, it is it it does that's the first thing I thought was like, oh, they're like mini lasagnas but curved. Um, you know, and it does because one thing again, I don't mean to fucking rail on spaghetti, but fuck spaghetti, okay? <laughs> because you can't I feel like I'm 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 slurping it in as opposed to ever biting it. Do you know what I mean? And so this felt like and when I meet the first thought I had when I saw it was like I'm going to put my fucking teeth on that shit, right? <laughs> and that- <laughs> Can I borrow that quote? Nagin Farsad raves. <laughs> I'm gonna put my fucking teeth on that shit. Um, okay. I'm still I'm still stuck at the idea. So I had to I had to image search Mafalda and Bucatini, and I saw them both, and I they seem like different species. Can you even crossbreed those? Like you sound like a mad scientist. Well, that's right a now. phenomenal question, and the answer as I go forth in my journey is a bit of a spoiler. If people listen to our series on the Sporkful, but. Um, I, I, I hit a major roadblock, which is that it turns out you cannot crossbreed them in the way that I wanted. Basically, the way, the way you make pasta is that you have to, I had to get a dye made, a dye, D-I-E, like, um, you know, the Play-Doh factory? You, right. uh, you get the little mm. star-shaped disc and you push the Play-Doh through the star-shaped yes, disc yes, and it comes yes. out like a star. Yeah. That little plastic star-shaped disc is a dye. Ugh, God, my goddamn phone is ringing. Sorry, hold on one second. It's okay. <laughs> is that like a... Like a real phone? It's, it's, an, old, it's an old-timey phone that my mom got as a present for my kids. So down here in the basement, it's like their their play phone. Yes, and it's got like a cord and everything. <laughs> we got to keep yeah. this in, again. This is great. I haven't heard that sound in I 30 know. years. Oh sound my effect. God. It's next to a phonograph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, uh, you know, the Play-Doh factory dough goes out the star shape, that little disc that's shaped like a star, that's a die. And pasta is made the same way. The dough goes through this hole that's made to do a certain shape. The problem is that when the dough goes through the die, you can't make ruffles and a tube at the same time because the movement right. required to make the ruffles crushes the tube. Oh, my God. How? Wow. This is... 
You should make like a podcast about this. Or something. This is riveting. <laughs> well, folks, um, we're running out of time. I want people to listen to the Sporkful five-part series on this pasta. And then, Dan, is this pasta like gonna be available? It goes on sale tomorrow, March 19th at Sfolini.com. Sfolini is the pasta company I partnered with to make the pasta. It's uh, S-F-O-G-L-I-N-I, Sfolini.com. And I'll share it on Sporkful social media website, all that good stuff. Yeah, I have a box. I'm so excited. Like, again, I want to put my teeth into these um, in a really aggressive manner. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the, the series on the- That sounds like something that would force you to resign really? as governor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and the series on the Sporkful podcast is called Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. That's oh, awesome. you're just killing it. <laughs> over really there. good, really good. So Thank dumb you. and great. Um, okay, <laughs> folks, that is the end of the show. And what I would love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Baratunde, how do they find you? They find me under the name Baratunde on all the socials. We're talking Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, primarily. And uh, follow my podcast, How to Citizen with Baratunde at howtocitizen.com. And uh, Dan Pashman, how do they find you? Check out the Sporkful podcast. Our new series, Mission Impossible, about my quest to invent a new pasta shape is up now. And uh, social media at the Sporkful. Um, and uh, and folks, there's uh, lots know- of pictures and oh, yeah. stuff on the Instagrams of the, of the pasta shape. Oh, it's so exciting. I uh, I truly cannot wait to allow myself to eat some carbs uh, in the shape of the thing you designed. Um, I, uh, you know where to find me on all of the social media thingies. Um, you can, don't forget our Patreon is patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And a little announcement, I'll remind you closer to the date, but I am in the Adult Swim animated series Bird Girl, and it is premiering on April 4th, and I'm so excited. Um, and it's just like the cast is ridiculous, and I am just like the, the, like the most garbage member of this cast that is amazing. Um, and it's so funny. The show's so funny. It's just one of the projects I've been so the most proud of um, to be involved with uh, over this last year. So um, please check out uh, Bird Girl on April 4th. Uh, but what I would really love to do is thank our new um, team here at HeadGum. That's our producer, Julia Linden, our audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Um, folks, uh, that is the end of the show, and we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.